Welcome to Release the Shackles at Green Records. This episode, we had Colin Mitchell, one of my dear, dear close friends. I've known Colin for quite a while, met him at Roots Fitness with Andre Miller. And this guy is everything when it comes to farming and gardening. Like, his knowledge is so vast. His relationship with the permaculture community is incredible. Um, Bringing life together, designing gardens. I mean, man, like, I could go on forever about this guy. Anyways, we had a great conversation, as always. What'd you think about it, Juan? Just to have Colin here, every time I'm around Colin, he's just super awesome to be around. And, you know, he's helped us all along the way. Um, as far as with Andre Miller in Oregon and, you know, even your backyard and to the farm in Marion Road and especially now to the New Braunfels uh, community farm that they're, they're doing. He's going to be the one leading us, uh, making all the major, major decisions, obviously on um, the things that are going to happen there. And uh, he's just, his his knowledge on the soil and permaculture and all the information that he has for for the, for people that are interested in doing this is just so amazing. And all this time and effort that he gives, it's, it's just super awesome. So I wasn't uh, able to be a part of this, uh, recording this podcast, but there's no way that I was going to uh, miss listening to this one as it was recorded. Um, Colin, he's... As these other guys said, he's extremely knowledgeable when it comes to farming, and uh, farming is kind of uh, something that I've been been called to as well. And um, me and a couple of friends are starting to make some moves in that direction. And so to hear this guy talk and hear this stuff come straight from the from the horse's mouth, basically the the subject matter expert was an amazing experience. And uh, one of the biggest takeaways that I had. Um, and something that gave me a lot of hope in, in, um, this path of mine, uh, going, going into farming is the arm to farm program that he, that he, uh, brought about and the, uh, grants, the grant opportunities for veterans. And, uh, so I just think if there's any veterans out there who are, are thinking about farming as a, as an option or, or a route that they might want to take, I highly encourage you to, uh, soak this one up, uh, without fur- further ado, here's Colin. First and foremost, as always, we always thank Green Records for opening these doors, boys. (laughs) I can't say it enough. I'll say it again. Thank you, Green Records, for everything. Um, And if you're a recording artist in the area, need some space, this is your space. Yeah, it's beautiful in here. It's awesome. So uh, today we have our boy Colin Mitchell. The Colin Mitchell. In the house, boy. Welcome, uh, dude. Welcome. Thanks, guys. It's yeah, good to be here. yeah, it's awesome. Um, before we get into anything crazy, um, man, I feel like I really need to let you guys know about my weekend. I was gonna ask you. I was gonna ask you that before you you opened up. Like, give give us a good story about this weekend, man. Yeah, and I don't want to take up too much time because I can. It won't take you long. I can talk take you all day long. about this. <laughs> give me so, a good three to five minutes. A good solid three to five minutes. Yes, dude. So check this out, my boy Josh. 
his family owns the Fulton Yacht Yard in Rockport, Texas, my hometown. And they service these huge offshore fishing sport fishers, right? Um, fishing boats, 40, 50, 60 foot boats, like, and they've got an incredible operation down there. And this guy has been, he's like my, uh, he's like Cameron Haynes or, or like, I mean, I don't know. Cameron Haynes is kind of psycho, but he's like Cameron Haynes, Donnie Vincent, but like scaled down a little bit. Uh, and it's like, I've always wanted like a friend. <laughs> I've always wanted that friend who's like mega outdoorsman, dude, like just knows the land and he's the guy like this. I mean, him and his wife, they're incredible people. Anyhow, so I fish and hunt with this guy. I do a lot of bird hunting with him. Haven't I didn't go last year, but anyways, do a lot of bird hunting, uh, fishing down in Rockport and all that kind of stuff with him. This past weekend, his wife and he, him and his wife invited me and Tiffany and Harper, Harper Ray, Harper Ray, <laughs> shout out Harper Ray, uh, down to um, this ranch that he's got a lease on. It's uh, about forty five hundred acres outside of Concan, Texas, guys. I need to get you on this piece of property. Oh, dude, it's awesome out there. That's the spot. It is incredible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're familiar because you're in that kind of same zone, right? Yeah. Bernie? Yeah. I'm a little east of there, but I mean, like I used to go camping out there and like when I was in like sixth grade, they took us to like the Boa Camp, which is the H-E-B properties right on the river out there. Dude, it's magical out there. It's It's so, dude, Colin, he's showing us all these like Indian campsites we're digging up artifacts like he's showing us where they cook their food he's telling me like he was digging down into their soil uh through all these like rocks i think he called it like lignin or something it's like where they it's where it's the sites where they would cook okay dude he said you can feel and smell the oils it it, dude he said it's in it's the most incredible thing anyhow uh so we go out there and it's just really chill. He puts me on a nice doe. I'm sitting in a field looking over, you know, out to my side and there's hawks hunting with us. Like it was the most incredible thing. Like I felt so at peace. I felt like we, like I needed to be there, you know? And, uh, uh, I killed a doe, dropped her on the spot, you know, no, no suffering, none of that kind of stuff. So when we harvested that meat and, uh, sitting in the ice right now, waiting to take it to the processor so they can hook me up. And um, Tiffany found her first arrowhead. She's been digging for or looking for those things her entire life. Oh, dude, that's awesome. Guys, I thought she was going to cry. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> she, she was so excited. You should have saw her face. Like, she lit up like a Christmas tree, man. It was crazy. Um, yeah, dude, it was, it was just an incredible experience to be able to walk on, like, sacred grounds, you know what I mean? And, and then these birds of prey – hunting with us and 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 then just being disconnected like no phones like i mean it was just incredible dude so at some point man i would really like to get you guys out there somehow hey uh did you feel freedom freedom at its max releasing those those shackles done done gone shackles no more (laughs) it's almost like a reset too because you come back you seem pumped yeah dude ready to go it's incredible dude incredible so um you know and and the purpose what what do we what do, what do i go out there and like kill this deer for you know what i mean well it's sustenance it's food it's wild it doesn't get any healthier than that yeah right yeah. um and i guess that's a great segue into what you're doing here today right yeah. yeah we're here to talk about farming we're here to talk about sustainability we're here to talk a little bit about mushrooms food 
All of it. Soil, whatever. Soil. You name it, man. Yeah. Dude, tell us about your background. Okay, yeah, yeah. This so, is an awesome story. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm from Bernie originally. I went to UT Austin for undergrad and all that, and I was going to be an environmental lawyer. Decided I didn't want to work in office 90 hours a week because that sounds terrible. Um, <laughs> it's not my jam. Um, I envisioned myself being an environmental lawyer that was like backpacking, and that's not a thing. Um, <laughs> the 22-year-old romanticism. Um, so, yeah, after I got out of school, I like kind of wandered around. I worked at an outdoor shop. was chilling in Santone, and then... Uh, our boy on Andre, I talked to him and he's like, you know, check out some permaculture stuff. Cause you know, I, one of my degrees was in kinesiology and health education. The other one's in political science and did some environmental stuff too. And it's like, started to take more classes talking about food. You know, I took a agriculture society and, uh, environment and development class. And it was like, Oh, this is kind of like solves environmental issues, health issues, social issues, mm-hmm. economic issues, all the stacks up. Mm-hmm. So I was like, Oh damn, I need to go like, get into this a little bit, you know? So I kind of went to Australia a bit on a whim. I went to the Permaculture Research Institute, <laughs> and the uh, Permaculture Research Institute of Australia, uh, PRI. Um, and I didn't really know what permaculture is. He, Andre was just like, it's the most sustainable form of agriculture you can get. I was like, cool, let's go, let's let it rip, let's go. So I kind of showed up on a whim and uh, I was a woofer, which is like a willing worker, something on farms. It's like basically you volunteer, you get fed, you just farm. You know, you just hang out. Everyone's different. They're all over the world. It doesn't have to be sustainable. There's here, they're here in the U.S. If you want to check it out, and want to like quit your job and piss off and like farm, right, like you right. can go do it. Um, hold on, hold on, hold on. You kind of went to Australia. I went, I went, <laughs> I went all in, man. I lived in a tent. For I like, thought I was gonna say, tell them about the living arrangements. Oh, dude, yeah. So like, you, you go and it's like you live in a tent. Like I was on a platform. Like some of the guys weren't like. I kind of got, like, lucky in that regard because, like, some of those dudes, like, one guy had a tree fall on his tent, like, <laughs> like, during a storm. He wasn't in it, luckily. Some of them had mud, but, like, some of those dudes, like, dude, the snakes were there gnarly. So, like, we had eastern brown snakes, which is, like, number two deadly snake in the world. It was just pff, everywhere. Like, I, I killed one. I saw three, like, at the same time, one time. And oh so those dudes would leave their tents open to stop. You stop just giving a shit, like, when you're, like out there you know yeah. um so i went over there and like ended up being made a uh, intern because they like i worked hard the manager also happened to be um from austin uh he like lived a block away from me when i was um at the, in school at the same time as he was and then uh yeah man so we were doing all sorts of stuff i was there for about nine ten months um row crop sustainability uh, sustainably uh food forestry you know all the parts of agroforestry like bringing back riparian buffers alley cropping uh what else um we did grow like some coffee under the, like the canopy and stuff um silver pasture so we were rotationally grazing animals um in like a holistic kind of planned way so we move them every couple of days you know some of those like numbers like i know a guy up north who like uh him and his wife move their cattle they have five thousand head on fifteen thousand acres and they move them like two three times a day oh my god yeah uh deborah clark and emory birdwell the birdwell clark ranch those guys are amazing you can find a video about them on uh carbon cowboys it's like i've stood in the middle of herd as it goes and it's pretty wild um Damn. we run a lot smaller scale now we we're like on 80 acres and had 23 ponds i think and then like miles of swales um, which if y'all don't know what that means it's like a water infiltration method so it slows and spreads water um making vermicompost regular compost chickens turkeys rabbits muscovy ducks cattle so like it was real like 
good like inoculant for me to like do a little bit of everything like yeah, when yeah. people were like what are your sp- what's your specialization i'm like i don't have one of those i'm not an insect or a bacteria like what is that you know like, I don't know, like one thing like you're a farmer like you gotta be like a repairman like you gotta be a businessman you know you gotta do a little bit of everything yeah um so i did that for a long time dude that was like a a blessing you know it was real challenging and like working like you know you're working like 16 hour days sometimes and like you're not getting paid and but right. it's like I learned so much and it got me like the career I have now. So yeah. And the experience I would seem it's just invaluable. Oh yeah. Like uh, being able there and like be someplace where you can wake up and turn the crank, you know, is invaluable. Like, mm-hmm. because that's how it is when you farm, you got to wake up and you turn the crank. Like, you can't just be on or off or like mm-hmm. anything. You're like, I got this internship. It's like, I was there. Like I didn't have money to leave, you know, like eventually <laughs> the three of us split a car. We're able to go like to the waterfall, you know, right. like go swim and stuff. So Man, goat, you know, worked with goats, kind of you name it. And so came back, like, feeling pretty flush. But, you know, we were still lacking in some areas. Like, we didn't sell a lot of things. We mainly sold courses and things. Mm-hmm. Um, <coughs> so, like, when I got back, you know, uh, we reconnected and did some stuff. And then I ended up working on a, uh, what is it called, an agrihood, which is basically like an agricultural neighborhood. It's kind of a thing developers are starting to do now where they integrate, um, like, farming back into our kind of neighborhoods because developers are buying up these ranches you know steamrolling everything and there's no more really agriculture in the area anymore mm-hmm. so we're kind of like disconnecting ourselves from our food systems even more when really it should be in our backyard to like within reach or be able to see what's going on you know right, right. that's a pattern around the country mm-hmm. bar none you know farmers are getting older um i think the average age of a farmer in texas is 59 like oh, wow. that's like the average I think nationwide it's in the low 60s oh, wow. so i mean there's a big like loss of farmers like there's numbers shrinking and we're having issues with like passing off that land and stuff mm-hmm. so the idea is to be able to build it into the neighborhoods i mean that's like kind of sustainable planning um mm-hmm. so i worked on that that unfortunately like failed and like never got off the ground some of the developer like didn't take foot um so took off to oregon and california hung out mm-hmm. with our boy andre mm-hmm. grew some stuff out there um and worked there and then that's a, that's a common name on this con on this podcast <laughs> andre miller <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's yeah. like the hub <laughs> so, yeah and that's how we met you know yeah, that's yeah how exactly we, that's how we met at the gym um well because you re- referred to him earlier as andre and i'm like oh no we call him andre miller on this show oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just this is one name. I mean, Dre. It's not just Andre. Yeah, Dre. It's Andre, Andre Miller. But if I refer to him in his full name to him, he'd be like, what the hell are you doing? I'm like, hi, Andre Miller. He's like, hi. <laughs> what? Um, so, yeah, that dude, I mean, he's got his farm. So, like, when he was in the early stages, I got to go up and, like, work with him for two weeks and help him get some stuff going and, like, see where he was at and just, like, bounce ideas back and forth with him. And he's, you know, that dude's on the, the good path on his properties, you know. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, Hey, dude, for the for the layperson, yeah, how would you describe permaculture? Oh man, um, so it really means like permanent agriculture. Mm-hmm. I think so. You know, I'm just I've been just got back from a conference, so I've been like, everyone, just assuming everyone knows what that means. Yeah. Uh, it means permanent agriculture. So this guy Bill Molson, who I was lucky to meet uh, before he passed away a couple years ago, when I was in Tasmania backpacking, um, him and David Holgram invented it. Um, it really, it's, you know, kind of the utmost sustainability where, you know, everything that you take out, you have to replace. So, like, I mean, that's sustainable. We kind of throw the word around a lot, and it kind of has, like, lost a meeting. I mean, McDonald's has a sustainability initiative. And, I mean, I met those guys, and they're trying. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, sustainability has gotten greenwashed. You know, it's, like, right. doesn't hold its, like, kind of weight anymore. Um, so, really, that's kind of what it is. It's, you know, and you have multiple systems, um, so you're not just, like, a grain farmer you know you got an agroforestry kind of brings in this a little bit where it's like 
you farm with trees, basically, is what agroforestry is. Mm-hmm. This is the most simplest forms. So you're trying to have ecologically complex systems with uh, permaculture. And so, you know, the basic tenet of ecology is the more complex your system is, the more stable it is. Like, diversity is key. Mm-hmm. Like, so you may have all sorts of things going. Um, and so there's a lot of people that try to, like, nail it down to this one thing. Like, this is permaculture. And to me, for me, it's a toolbox. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, I can pick and choose what I'm doing. Like, what are people's goals? What are their financial situations? Like, there's kind of permaculture folks who are like, you need to do this. And I'm like... No, nah, like it's a decision-making kind of tree for me and a workflow thing. It's like, well, how am I going to be most efficient? What are, you know, what are my goals? You know, what's my money like? Like, what can I, you know, what can you actually do? Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like a long-term, long-scale process. Like you're not on a one-year cycle. You're on like a five-year cycle. Like right. what are you like, you know, what are you kind of doing? Um, so that's what it is to me. There's, you know, you can go get the permaculture design, designer's manual. You can get permaculture designer certified, which is no really like standard for what that looks like, which is kind of weird. Um um, and they can be kind of expensive, like $800 for two weeks. Oh, wow. When I was in Australia, he tried to charge like $2,500 for two weeks, and you had to fly to Australia. Um, so, I mean, I would recommend reading the book, you know, and trying to go to some smaller courses. Right. Because, I mean, <clears throat> I took my, got my, you know, they call it the PDC, Permanent uh, Culture Design Certificate. I got mine when I was there, and I'd already been working for two months. And mm-hmm. I was like, I already know all this. Like, I've been just doing, like, out there, turn of the crank. Like, right. You know. Um, yeah, and I think that's a very important piece of the pie like you want to learn something just put your hands in it oh yeah man just put your hands in it you know yeah and so that's some of those classes are like you're just two weeks in the classroom and it's like you know like you're better off just going and doing an internship or volunteering at someone find someone that nearby that's doing some Mm -hmm. permaculture practices or sustainable farming or Mm-hmm. regenerative grazing and see if you can go volunteer and like yeah. like and you know put yourself to work and like really commit to it because i mean that's what uh, problems i heard from a lot of farmers that like dude i can't find good help these days like, right so i think if you if you're gonna go like show up and like kick some ass you know like right. really put yourself to work um yeah. and that's how you learn you yeah learn. and i think i think there's something to you know about you know I, I, i've heard that comment a lot in my life is you hear these old like like I work, you know, running heavy equipment at one point in my life with my uncle, and and um, uh, I remember him talk using that same phraseology. I can't find good help, you know. And unfortunately, finding good help usually costs money. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or, or giving someone a vision. If somebody is can really get behind a vision and they understand what the end goal is, and it's something that means something to them. Then they'll do it. Like I'll go out on a farm, dude. Point me to a farm. Let's go. Like I'll go out yeah. there and work for free for twelve hours a day. Like, I, 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 because I understand that vision, man. Like that's that's you're you're talking about like, and I don't want to be too grand here, but like if we're gonna say quote unquote save the world, how do you save the world? Well, you start in your own backyard, kind of thing. So like, go go find somebody to help. You know. Um, uh, you know, whatever, whatever that is, you know, um, but finding good help that it, that I can see that being a hard thing. I know so many farmers that are, um, they are, what are we going to call them without insulting them? I guess I just did. Conventional guys. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. and it's like you, your farming methods are, are, are not, they're not good. Yeah. Yeah. And you yeah. know, I think some of them start to realize that a little bit, you right. know, it's like kind of like a, you like you're you're an addict, you know, and like to yeah. make chemicals. And some of them, like I work with a guy down in the Rio Grande Valley who's got like 
man, I think he's got like 12,000 acres. Mm-hmm. You know, he's been, he's a, a cotton, a sorghum, a corn guy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're trying to, he's trying to get in on our, we have a kind of a soil health project down there, getting cover crops in there, which for y'all that don't know, you have, uh, you rotate your crops and these uh, crops kind of restore the nutrients that you took out basically. So mm-hmm. part of your crop rotation. And he's like, you know, I'm seeing, I've been spraying and I'm spending millions in sprays a year, like herbicides, mm-hmm. wow. pesticides. And yeah. he's, he's seeing less and less returns because things get, you know, tolerant to that stuff. Right. So he's just having to put more and more money in. And he's like, I just want my kids to be able to farm. So he's starting to realize if he can take off like a couple of sprays a year, mm-hmm. like start there. And, you know, that's what you kind of do. You have to have a big tent when you're working right. with these guys. If we're going to get anywhere, you can't be. Most people, if you're like, nah, you know, you're like doing the wrong thing. Right. It's like you're not going to get him under. So with him, he's in like, there's a professor I work with down there at UT uh, Rio Grande Valley, Dr. Alex Rossells, who's like incredibly talented and great with the community and uh, has a, I really like, like his vision for things. Um, he's like, you know, you just got to like bring people in and like try to work with them and get them down because yeah. there's other guys that go into rooms and I know one guy, I'm not going to say his name or anything. I, this guy I like a lot, but he like went and like, you have to do the soil health thing. Like, just do it and just try it. They're like, well, I got kids to feed. You know, I can't necessarily just go and like turn it on because with organics, you've been putting all these in. When you take it all away, you see a dropout. Mm-hmm. It's like, imagine you take a heroin addict off, you take them off, they're going to bottom out. Mm-hmm. So your crop uh, production is going to go way low for like three, four years because you're doing with that resistance mm-hmm. um, and you may have compaction layers you may have like missing micronutrients and all this stuff so you know he's he, like people like him if we can get him just off a couple sprays and like kind of wean him off and yeah. get him going that's kind of like the process with a lot of those yeah guys. that makes sense that makes total sense yeah and, and then there's, there's there's a bigger picture there and and i think when we go back to this concept of like oh i can't find good help it's like if we were doing things better yeah. you'd probably have a million volunteers. Yeah. Look, look what look what Andre's doing up in Oregon. Yeah. There's so many people that show up to his place just to help, bro. Yeah. And because I, there's a vision there. Yeah. And I think part of it is like the younger generation, when you do see farmers handoff stuff, a lot of people more, more my age, I'm like 29 for everyone's reference, are like really interested in actually like the regenerative part because it's exciting. You need to do different stuff. It's not just this tunnel vision, you know. Um, it's kind of we're like we're slowly shifting the paradigm a little bit there's a lot of women that are like amazing like grazers and ranchers so it's starting to like get a little more female oriented they typically are see things a little bit differently because mm-hmm. we're not just like i'm gonna go like tunnel vision you know right right and, and then I, they have better organizational skills i mean like yeah they play yeah. a huge piece of the pie man yeah for sure um and then the the work part is i think some people also romanticize agriculture and they think it's going to be this thing and it's going to be like oh i'm a farmer and it's like dude you're out there busting your ass like you yeah. better be like like put it to it, you know, like it's, it's not easy. It's, it's pretty therapeutic for me. Yeah. And I'd I like find that, it, you know, it's very, it, for me, it's very healing. Have my, my hands down in that dirt. Yeah. Smelling it, smelling the, how natural it smells. Mm-hmm. It just some, does something for me. And people like us like the work. Like I like yeah. the challenge. Like for I kind of sure. like the, like, like, oh, I got to push myself and like, okay, now what now? And like, well, you know, try, ideally you're the part where you don't have to put out fires. Like that's how it sometimes is. You're like, oh, you have days where you just get like steamrolled. You're like, oh, this irrigation broke. Like I'm just got bit by a snake. Like you just mm-hmm. get like, but it kind of takes some like resilience, you know, like, and that's like what you see with a lot of farmers is like, mm-hmm. oh, you're in a drought, you know. Tell us about the pesticides and everything that's sprayed on the conventional farming and what that does when we consume it. What does it, it do for our psyche without going too far off the subject? 
Hmm. What does it do to our psyche? I mean, I think that, you know, it affects like bacteria and your soil health, you know, and that's a big issue with it. I mean, you're affecting the ecology of your plants. So when everything comes down to it, if you don't have healthy soil, then like you got nothing, you know, you can try to like put input it, you can try to put fertilizers in and, you know, manufacture that. But if you don't have healthy Mm -hmm. soil, you don't have good water infiltration. So you're not going to be as drought tolerant. Mm -hmm. You don't have the um, soil microbiology that you need. Um, So, I mean, soil health is linked to your actual health and like Mm your um, kind of gut bacteria and your overall health. I mean, we're not, we're not getting as much nutrients and minerals because the soil, soil biology and like the, you know, both microbiology and like kind of larger like insects, like earthworms and things like mm-hmm. that aren't there to be able to break things down and make them bioavailable for the plants. Like yeah. if you don't have boron in your soil, like I went to, we hosted this soil health workshop from this um, really awesome um, soil scientist and agriculturist, Nicole Masters. Uh, she's from New Zealand, just came out of the book and she like kind of put it on me. Like I need to go like, I have a list of things I need to go read because, you know, I'm not a scientist, but she like turn some things on it's like if she said if you don't have boron in your soil your plant doesn't have the pump necessary to pull sugars up into the actual plant mm. so that means you're not getting like all the nutrients that are Dude, there okay can i can i throw something out there yeah this comes from years of hearing you talk hearing andre miller talk jason gonzalez just you know just people that i'm friends with you like I've put together this thing in my head. I'm monocropping. Mm-hmm. And for those that don't know, monocropping is basically mono, one. Like, maybe I'm farming a field of nothing but buttercrunch lettuce, right? There's no diversity there, right? When there's no diversity in your farm, this is like an, it's like you opening the front door to any and all pests. Oh, yeah. So when the pests show up, and the reason why is because the diversity help for those that don't know, like let's just use something simple, a simple concept called companion planting. I have one plant that's susceptible to a certain pest, but I can plant another plant right next to it that that pest hates. That plant will act as a shield to push those pests away. Just the same, I can take another plant that maybe that pest likes and I can plant that plant on the other side of my farm to draw those pests in that direction because I don't want them near said plant. Okay. So if I'm monocropping and that opens the door to pests, that means I need to do something to the pest. I need to get rid of them or I'm going to have, I'm jeopardizing my crop. Yep. So that answer is pesticides. So I throw the pesticide on the lettuce. Okay. And to think you're not consuming that, when you pick it up at the grocery store, it's just foolish. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But, but beyond, you know, beyond that, um, the other thing that I think is foolish is if you spray pesticides on a plant to think that you're not killing all of the good bacteria, the good pests, and I don't want to call them good pests, but you know what I mean? The, the yeah. good bugs yeah, there are, yeah. in the soil, that also is foolish. Oh yeah. So you've killed the life in the soil. So now what do I have to do? I have to go out and I have to find fertilizers. And now I'm artificially fertilizing, okay? And now you're talking about this boron thing and the plant not being able to pull enough sugars. So now the uh, uh, to the top of the plant, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now I'm in a situation where, and you brought this to my attention a while back, now you're in a situation where 
my plant isn't as nutritious as it, or it's not as nutrient dense as it needs to be. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So then I got to water more and all this that to get the plant to grow bigger or whatever. Um, so now let's go to the nutrition side of this. You mentioned to me via Instagram DM, dude, it was probably two years ago now. I don't remember. Um, someone had brought something to your attention and it was something to the effect of today's plants you have to consume four to five, maybe six times the amount of that plant to get the same nutrients that you would have gotten in, say, 1930, 1940. Yep. Okay? So now what are we doing, guys? We're consuming more calories to get the nutrients that we need, right? But it's like, oh, but the spinach is healthy. Oh, I don't know if it takes six times the amount of spinach to get the same nutrients that you needed back in 1930. Like, you see what I'm saying? So you're eating more calories and it's like, but we're trying to make people healthy and you're telling them that spinach is good and sure spinach is good, yeah. but not when you have to eat an abundance, like more of it to get what you need. Yeah. And then you look at books like In Defense of Food by Michael Pollan and they're, st- they're saying that, you know, like a small nutrient deficiency, and I'm not talking about you being sick. I mean, like you wake up one day and your body's like, oh, I need more iron or I need more magnesium. And so, you know, if we were really quote unquote woke, like the rest of the animal kingdom, you would go out and you would find that food. Mm-hmm. You would have a craving and you would go find that food that has whatever nutrient that you need and you would consume it and you'd be good to go. Mm-hmm. Okay. So check this. If a nutrient deficiency can cause a hunger, tri- uh, signal hunger pain or signal a hunger, um, and I go out and I try to consume whatever, for most of it, it's going to a fast food restaurant because you're hungry and you're not woke enough to know what you're even looking for, yeah. right? You eat that Whataburger, that In-N-Out, that Carl's Jr. An hour and a half later, you're hungry again because you did not fulfill that nutrient need, yep. right? And so you do it all over again, but this time you try Chick-fil-A because you don't want to eat the same thing over and over again, but technically you are eating the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Right. Now, what if we apply that same logic to even good foods? Mm -hmm. If I don't fulfill that nutrient need with this salad that I've just consumed, then I'm going to have to eat more later. And it's like, man, I don't know why I'm not losing weight. Yeah. Yeah. Are you like, why are you still sick? Why are you still inflamed? Like why are you still having like, hefty like autoimmune issues if you right. have that you know yeah a bunch so of all you see stuff. like i know that was a long way to get to this but it's like it's all full circle and it all plays a role and you have to understand where your food comes from you have to understand the quality of the soil that your food is growing in yeah yeah if you want to like achieve those health levels you know and there's tests for that and there's starting to you know they're starting to come up with marketable things where you can actually, I mean, the way to test it in the field is it's called, uh, you take a Briggs reading. I can't remember the name of the thing. It's like a spectrometer or something, but mm-hmm. um, I can't blink it on. But basically you take a, a plant material and you crush it. And you put it in this like, kind of like glass microscope looking thing. It's flat and long and it will show you your sugar levels. Mm. The higher your sugar levels, the more nutritionally dense it is because you have those, um, like your plants, the photosynthesis drives everything, right? So you have uh, the sun coming and growing your plants. It will put off... Um, Ideally, if it's working right, it'll put off still sugars and like things like that and carbohydrates to um, microorganisms and they'll break it down and convert it and like send it back. So it's like kind of like a weird loop between the soil and the roots and the exudates, which is like chemicals that your plant puts off between them. Um, bacteria will come and get and they'll give it back nutrients. So it's a weird, 
kind of weird, but it's a synergistic thing that yeah. works between that. So if one of those things is off, then you're not getting the nutrients you need. Mm-hmm. And there may be not, you know, you may not be putting down organic matter and all these things. Um, mm-hmm. So then you're not getting your nutrients and then you're getting sick, you know. Right. And I, for a long time, was like, I don't need to take vitamins. I'll just buy local and things like that. And even then, it's like I've started taking into some multivitamin just because I'm like, okay, well, I know don't know what's missing and what's not missing right. and things like that. And it's it can be work to get your soil there. It's not like a... Oh, it's working, you know. Yeah, it's like well, it, yeah. Let's talk how much like let's talk about how much work. Yeah. How okay. Travis, mm-hmm. what's his last name? Cra- Krause, yeah. Krause. Travis Krause out in Dehanis, mm-hmm. which is west of San Antonio. Yeah, he's in Uvalde County. Okay. Um it has taken him in like when I heard <laughs> what was it like 10 years? Yeah. To get his organic matter in his soil from what two percent to he's like in some fields he's that went from one to six in other places it's lower so it depends what species he's had in there mm-hmm. and like where it is on the hill I mean and then we get droughts I mean that's the mm-hmm. problem like other places where they're like talking about where well, this is really easier like you know Oregon or the Northeast or like things like that it's a little bit easier for them to like sequester carbon and get those things working because they don't have 110 degree temperatures and six months of no rain so mm-hmm. it's pretty hard to like sequester carbon and mm-hmm. things like that when we're in those um environments i'm in i'm part of conversations about looking at like payments paying farmers for like water quality water quantity uh, sequestering carbon and wildlife habitat Mm -hmm. and once you get out west when it's dry the conversation changes on what that level would look like and Mm -hmm. what's feasible Mm -hmm. so yeah it takes time i mean it takes money and it takes like education and management practices and like learning Mm -hmm. things and patience and what cover crops work for you because there's like 30 types of cover crops right and so just to put it in a perspective for everybody you're saying that some of his pastures went from 1% organic matter mm-hmm. to 6% organic matter yeah. in a in a in a what t- a decade? Yeah, in a decade. Yeah. And 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 we're calling that amazing. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Right? Like and but but when you look 1 to 6 that doesn't seem like it's like wow, man, that takes yeah. It's not a lot, but it is. Yeah, and even to get like those uh kind of native grasses back. And that's what a lot of the like kind of uh, amp grazing or adaptive multi-paddock grazing it's for those grazing systems where you move them pretty frequently you um kind of go for herd impact and close your um you have more like a higher density over an area of like mm-hmm. cattle it's like you've, it's similar alan savory kind of coined the term uh holistic management or um the savory way to move things but it's uh kind of mimicking a buffalo move across prairies mm-hmm. and things like that but mm-hmm. they need to be chased by a predator to move are you telling me that cows matter yeah dude. yeah <laughs> they right do. yeah especially. and you see these you see these crazy movements out there talking about how cows are you know the you know gases in the atmosphere and this and that and the other and it's like dude it's coming from people that don't understand the system they don't yeah. understand how ecology really the ecological systems really work yeah and you kind of need them to restore a lot of those rangeland functions mm-hmm. you know it can be delicate and you have to really dial it in and like you have to be adaptive with it it's not like a set like i move them here like a robot like right. you gotta go out and watch your land and like okay is it wet do i need to take them out of this pasture mm-hmm. yeah you have to i think cattle is really key or in this livestock in general to like restoring right. pasture function right and i think we're uh, you know just dis- disagree if you need to um uh i think where people miss the mark is it's like oh you shouldn't eat meat cattle are c- creating all this carbon monoxide blah 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 blah. this yeah. blah. and it's like oh wait a second dude not everybody not everybody is the is, is supporting feedlots. That's a completely yeah. different thing, yeah. dude. Oh, yeah. Like I understand you shouldn't be eating McDonald's hamburgers because they don't source their meat, their food very well, right? It's like more people are waking up, also, you know, and and 
if it's going to change, it's got to come from the people. Right. Like yeah. it's going to be us doing mm-hmm. it. And uh, one one thing people do think it's some kind of a crazy movement, but it's not. More and more people are doing it. Mm-hmm. More people are, are educating themselves and they want to know more of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, G- Mandy and Travis, they're awesome. Krause, I met, I met them and you guys are right. They do an amazing job. And their biggest thing, like yours, Colin, is just to educate people. There's a video I want to show you guys. It's a minute. And it, uh, this is from G&L Ranch, I believe, here in Texas also. And she has an amazing, amazing uh, uh, message for everybody. And it's like, oh, we're not alone. Mm. Oh, yeah, this gal. I do know this. I sent you all this. Dude, that's so key. Yeah. This, would she say 1%? Can pull two percent out of the sky, out, out of the out of the ozone layer, yeah. or out of, the, out of yeah. the atmosphere. Now, and this is why tr- what Travis is doing out there is so important. Six mm-hmm. percent, dude. Like he's he he's he's. Uh, well, I know they were talking about carbon. I'm talking about yeah. organic matter. But but yeah. the point is, like the he's got a situation out there that is bettering the atmosphere. Oh yeah, right. And not just that; it's uh, like watershed function. Like there's people that we'll see that have kind of increased their organic matter, and they have like native pasture grasses and things like that. And they'll see, you know, normally you would see like murky water run off your land because you get all this erosion. They have clean water running off, so they're putting clean water into the streams. Um, and New York, um, so New York City gets all of their water from the Catskills, and I think there's another stretch of it's like in Delaware. Um, so what they did, they were going to have to build this giant uh, water cleaning plant, basically. This water filtration, water purification plant. cost billions of dollars. And so, because all of the runoff from all the farms in their watershed. Mm-hmm. So you know what they did instead? They started a program with NRCS, I believe, which is the Natural Resource Conservation Service. It's ran by the USDA. So they worked with them in Cornell University to start the water agriculture program. I think that's right. I don't know if we have a fact checker on this podcast, but it's something like that. Um and so what they did is they paid farmers instead to change their practices. And so they didn't have to pay for that the water filtration thing. Oh, they wow. made, were able to make cleaner water by changing the practices. That's so it's, amazing. it's not just carbon and the atmosphere. It's water quality, how much water is going into your aquifer and in your soils, making not just you climate or uh, like drought resilient and heat tolerant, but also frost tolerant too. Mm-hmm. Um, more wildlife corridors, things like that. So it's like a multi-layer thing mm-hmm. that you get when you improve your soil. You don't just get one thing. You get like eight things right you know? and you know what's funny i mentioned this to sam the fun guy when he was here that's fun guy that's one word not two uh, <laughs> um i always like to say that <laughs> i mentioned it to him i've been in arguments with people before whenever i start talking about uh uh these types of practices and the first thing out of these super close-minded folks is it's not sustainable there's no way you could feed the world like this and i'm like well, first of all, not with that attitude. Yeah, yeah. Right. Let's go ahead and start there. Um, number two, there are people doing it right now. There are people that are scaling this right now, and it's incredible. So, you know, like you, you know, I mean, Travis, you yeah. know him personally. He's doing it. White Oak Pastures yeah. in Georgia, they're doing it. Yeah. Uh, Joel Salatin. Yeah. Emory, right? I mean, Emory and um, um, Deborah up in North. I mean, fifteen thousand or five thousand head on fifteen thousand acres. Like, yeah, you can do it. I think mean, we just have to change the mode. There's to be more of us for one. For like, sure, there are more people have to be growing their food and not to grow mm-hmm. their food. Like, they need to teach it in schools. And yeah. I think that's what that's another thing you said that earlier about the, the whole agrihood thing. Yeah, like doing it in your own yard. Yeah, like quit depending on everybody else to feed you. Quit depending on, you know, 
government subsidizing the farm and then the farm putting this low quality bullshit ass food on the grocery store shelves yeah. dude like and I'm, I'm not look i'm not saying any of us here are perfect bro like i go to yeah. the grocery store too that doesn't mean that we're not that doesn't mean that we're not m- moving in that direction you know so we've got some some phone action <laughs> sorry that yeah was my bad. and speaking of you know when we talked about like you know, people being like, oh, when you get rid of me, like things like that. So um, the same organization that did, I think it's called the life cycle assessment of like those impossible burgers. I can't remember which one of those guys it is. They, um, the people who at um, Rome Ranch, they're like the Epic Bar folks. Um, they have a ranch now in Fredericksburg doing bison stuff. Um, they paid to get Will Harris and uh, White Oak Pastures, his life cycle assessment and see like how much carbon are you putting off? How much a greenhouse gas are you putting? He was by far less than Impossible Burgers because people think, oh, like this soy burger is going to be healthy. Like, do you guys have you ever, ever been to a soy farm? Like, do you know how soy is grown? <laughs> like, you have to put so much chemicals and fertilizer and herbicides yeah. and pesticides into your soy farm. So right. it's like, okay, do you guys know what those chemicals come from? They come from the petrochemical industry, right? And and, and that, real quick, that's another thing that that it, I don't know that it bothers me, it's, it's, but maybe it does. Um, People have different reasons for eating the way they do, yeah. and I get that, dude. Like I get that. Like if you, if if you have some sort of thing, health issue going on, and you turn to a more vegan lifestyle, and that lifestyle helps correct the issue that you've been dealing with, by all means, dude. By all means, yeah. If you're screaming from the rooftops that we need to stop eating meat because it's, you know, these kind of things, it's like it's not good for the environment. This that. No, 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 no. You don't understand the science behind this. You don't because the foods that you're promoting are just incredibly detrimental to to the world, to the planet. Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, it's that's a big issue with it. I mean, the methane is the biggest argument people have Mm because methane, I think, is like four times as strong as carbon dioxide. But I, you know, that woman that uh, came, Nicole Masters, that scientist, she said something. I need to look it up that. Because if there's green plant material around and there's actually mature grasses, that apparently that that thing gets absorbed from the burps and things. I need to look into it a little more. It kind of blew my mind a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, I need to like bounce that out and kind of decide that a little bit. Because she also like made an analogy that termite piles, like the giant ones you see like in Africa and stuff. Termites are one of the biggest methane producers in the world, like as like a species. But if you go and measure the methane outside of the termite pile, it's like less than what's in the in the atmosphere. Mm. So there's something there apparently with like pastured animals. I need to read more and like read some white papers on it because it's like, whoa, that like why do not people more people not know this? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the other issue with um, climate change and greenhouse gases, water vapor is one of them. So by not having the sponge of the soil there to be able to hold water and absorb water, mm-hmm. all of our water is running off into the rivers being absorbed back again in the atmosphere rather than staying in the ground mm. where, you know, plants uh, put it off into the air. I think it's um, evapotranspiration. I always get that one backwards. My girlfriend crushes me for that. Um, <laughs> it's transfer evaporation or evapotranspiration. I can't remember which one. Um and yeah, so the, like that's we're, we've screwed up the water cycle. So mm-hmm. we have that's also increasing heating and, and like other problems we're seeing. So we don't have actually the water cycle is totally mm-hmm. jacked up. Um, so th- that's part of the soil health equation too. It's mm-hmm. like the water part of it, right? Yeah, these conversations need to be had because it's it's too much like you know people looking at each other, throwing fingers and scowling, and you're fucking up the world. Like instead yeah. of just sitting down and having a conversation, because there's so many people that don't understand these things. Like yeah. if you think the simple fix is just to get rid of all the cows, 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like maybe if you like, because like KFOs is one thing. It's like those pits are gross. Like whenever they had hurricanes in North Carolina, like all those things just overflowed and went into the waterway and all that. So, and like, and you have people, you know, they're working on feeds where like with orange peels that gets rid of that methane for mm-hmm. like feedlots. And maybe in our giant meat system, maybe we have to put them there for a minute before we, you know, take them to slaughter. But mm-hmm. for that to be the life of a cow is like pretty, like it feels wrong. If you've ever like been into one of those things, it's weird. Dude, I drove by, I want to say it's just outside of Seguin somewhere in the country. Me and Tiffany, because we just drive around and get lost on purpose, you know, just checking shit out. Yeah. Dude, I drove right by a feedlot, bro. Like I didn't even know it was there. And when I saw what I saw, I was like, what? the fuck bro like (laughs) i wanted to burn all their i wanted to just rip their fences out of the ground and let those guys loose man like it's it's heartbreaking man yeah like there's zero grass it's all dirt like and you know that's one of the things that we talk quite a bit about and and you know our idea of how a good farming practice should be is like andre told me this a long time ago like dude do not let bare soil be exposed to the sky. Yeah. Like it needs to be capped with wood chips or there needs to be some plant matter growing on it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like there's five, NRCS came up and like they did a good job of organizing these five uh, principles of soil health. It's uh, keep your soil covered. So it's like soil armor. That also, that helps not with just with like uh, microbiology, but like it helps, well it does because it keeps it covered so it's not as hot for us or not as cold. Um, it'll stop, rain can actually cause compaction because it strikes the ground so hard. It'll mm. dip out and actually compact your soil. So that's one of them. Um, keep a live root in the ground. That's for the micro, like microorganisms there. They need something there. Like they're getting food from those um, those plants in the ground. Um, if you can, I mean, wood chips is a great way to go too. There's a guy, Tim Miller, who's in uh, Kyle, who's been farming for 30 years and he just like, he's like, Andre 20 years ago just making it rain wood chips um minimize disturbance so that's plowing things like that um ideally you know there's some systems where I'm seeing like in the valley where like it's kind of hard to find organic no-till systems maybe that means you just don't grow row crops down there but that's a huge like culture shift for that to happen Mm -hmm. um one of them is the last one is incorporate animals if you can they're going to feed with their manure, their urine, their animal impact. That That's a type of disturbance that's, like, normal. Mm-hmm. Um, like that boron thing I was talking about earlier, that comes from, like, um, bird manure. A lot mm-hmm. of the boron, we've had a huge bird die-off in the chickens in our system. So we, like, see a lot of, like, boron. So it's, like, an- incorporate animals. What's the other one? Doesn't matter. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I get <laughs> You it, get though. the idea. Yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, there's, like, those are the tenets. Like, those are kind of the management practice, like, you know, in my job. Um, but we're kind of preaching now and, like, mm-hmm. trying to get people to do, you know, whatever in form that looks like and trying to figure that out for yourself. Yeah, because, yeah, keep the soul covered. Like, yeah. Put something yeah. in there, you know. Yeah. But, you you know, and you you see these feedlots, bro, and there's, like, there's nothing for them to eat. Oh, and there's feeding them corn. Corn. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like corn, corn is yeah. corn is some corn man-made down. bullshit. Like, when, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, this starchy ass, like, there's very little nutritional value there, yeah. you know? And, and and these cows are eating this kind of stuff, man. And, yeah. and then they get sick, right, because it's not natural to their, you know, their their biome if you will yeah and you just have them enclosed like they're just like not healthy animals and right. it's weird like you know because i've just been working in like pasture systems and i went like to a stock show and just saw like this corn it looks like some dude that's been taking steroids and tons of creatine he's just all bloated out and like <laughs> weird looking and i was like what the hell is that a cow like and it was like this is a prize cow for the stock show and i was like that cow looks weird as hell dude like that's not yeah, how cow that cow would right. die out in the field like you yeah. know that cow is not bred to survive in nature right it's like us it's like we eat a bunch of bullshit we get all big and like weird and like can't survive in nature same thing with our cows we're eating man they have no nutrients they're mm-hmm. sick they're not healthy and it's 
I just got so a mental I. I just got a mental picture of somebody I won't say any names, but some of these like super professional legendary bodybuilders trying to survive out in the middle of nowhere, dude. They'd be the first to go. Oh yeah. So <laughs> inefficient. Cannot handle things. Yeah. 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 Some yeah. people don't start figuring this stuff out until they get sick. Yeah. And it's like yeah. backwards. It's like, oh, you got sick first. And then you went back and figured out that what you're consuming made you sick. Oh, yeah. And a lot of the conferences I go, that's what really makes it click for a lot of people is that they're getting sick, um, that they don't. Yeah. It's like, oh, I have to do something now. Like, why am I sick? Like, I've heard so many people that got cancer or something. And that's when everything started to click for them. Mm-hmm. And one guy I saw speak, I can't remember his name, but he's like, I'm trying to, like, not make it to where cancer has to be what gets you to change your diet you know yeah dude like, that's such a huge thing man like quit being so like retro about it like what let's just be proactive instead yeah. of retroactive like yeah it's yeah it doesn't make sense to try to rid your body of cancer when you can just like prevent it from the in the first place yeah and you know we talked about um not to get off topic but you know we talked about feasibility of upscaling and things like that and it's also if you look at our land use and efficiency it's like all the corn in the Midwest, it's like, what is it, 30, 40% goes to ethanol production? Like, what if that was native pastures? Right. You know, like, okay, like, that's the native food. What if there was grass that I'm, you know, I'm six feet tall, six four. There's grass that should be almost as tall as me. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what those pra- those tall grass prairies used to look like. Dude, Sam the Fungi was talking about these, these same grasses. Yeah. And he said something like some of their roots can be, like, 15 feet in the ground or yeah. something like incredible yeah pastures are you know forests are kind of our rolling carbon storage because i mean we need lumber to do things so it's like one up one down we should have i had lunch uh i spoke at the north american agroforestry conference in corvallis over the summer and i had lunch with this guy he was the keynote and his name is rowan reed he's this awesome agroforestry guy from um uh, melbourne he was like a, a professor at the university of melbourne like awesome and he was like that's our rolling carbon storage like one up one down but pastures is where we should be putting our like carbon and has the most potential because mm-hmm. those soils used to be deep 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 and just web of roots and like you know thick with microbiology things mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. so yeah and you know with the role of fungi and that is like crucial like you can't have those grasses exist until the fungi and the mycorrhizae comes about because what's sequestering the like the long term carbon storage is mycorrhizae. It's pulling it down deep into the soil versus mm-hmm. like that top couple inches because mm-hmm. we're putting cover crops and leaf litter and things like that on. That's where that deep long term carbon storage happens is deep in the soil from mm-hmm. uh, mycorrhizae. So yeah, so fungi, come, fungi makes it world we, go round. We come full circle back <laughs> to the fungi. That's right. Yeah, can't yeah. have it without it. You know. Yeah, and it's like we talked with Sam about it, man. It's like uh, it's the beginning and it's the end. Yeah. Right, fungi yeah. like it it creates life and it decomposes life. Oh yeah, it's how yeah. Our, our plants have like better water holding capacity. Mm-hmm. You know, and back to what you were talking about um, with companion planting. If you have if your plant's also not getting what it needs, it also signals that it's sick, to, and then insects will come in, like pests will come in, like smash it. Uh, That's part of it too. It's yeah. signaling, um, and so like yeah, fungi is a big part of it. There's um, something called quorum sensing that's like getting a lot of like headway in research, and it's you put certain things in the soil, and it'll signal to like all the like inert things that are in the soil to turn on, mm-hmm. and that's been like mycorrhizae is a part of that. Um, whatever comes out of a worm's butt is part of that. Um, that woman Nicole Masters, that scientist, um, has been working with worm castings, and I I've done some of these sprays are like compost teas, compost extracts, vermicompost, which is worm compost. You put stuff in there, and worms break it down. And she said when she's she's been doing these extracts and it'll turn on the soil. Like it'll have the like biological signals to like switch everything on. And like fungi is a huge part of that. That's incredible. Yeah, all man. that. So it's so incredible. Yeah. 
Yeah, I just, man, I keep going back to these people that are like, they don't, <laughs> the people that are just arguing about, oh, it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. Yeah. It's like, dude, it is the thing. It's the thing that kept this, that's kept this rock spinning yeah. for eons, man. And like, you can't think that, that what we've done, and what, what do you, th- what do you think? The past hundred years or less? Yeah, I would say. Like big ag? Yeah, hundred years or less. The green revolution, which is ironic that they called it that, really started in like the 50s, 60s, mm-hmm. like post, um, post-World War II was mm-hmm. when it kicked off. Yeah, man. I mean, they say it's not sustainable, but farmer suicide is like the highest it's ever been. Like mm-hmm. there are organizations devoted to like farmer mental health because they're pouring all this money in. They're not getting any returns. They're just, oh, growing, they're just corn. And, like, and they're not pouring their own money in. Yeah. It's like they're all – I mean, I, I know cats, dude. Like yeah. they, they borrow money. Yeah. It's like you borrow, a, you know, $750,000 for all this seed and all this, you know, blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. You go out there and plant it. You have to have these crazy insurance policies in case, this, that, you know, you crop doesn't turn. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's just incredible, man. So I, I just remember thinking, hearing all these stories about these guys, and I'm just like, wow, dude, like, how, how I don't want to say how'd you get wrapped up into it because usually it's just generational. It's like pushed yeah. down, you know, family to family. It's but an addiction. It's, it's like, like an addiction to chemicals. How do you yeah. get out of that so- cycle? Yeah, it's know? rough. Yeah. And it's like almost like I think subsidies have a role to play because you don't want them to just kill themselves or like die because like not afford food like they're growing like just corn and they can't even afford like to feed themselves that Mm -hmm. happens in uh, Africa and India all the time like Mm -hmm. they'll go from like oh I just had my own small shareholder thing I went to a conference when I was an undergrad at UT it was held by the United States African Command so it's like the military body of the United States that is in charge of like African security and like for the US and like things related strategic uh, initiatives and things like that and they were saying that the number one cause of instability will be climate change for the continent of Africa. That was in uh, 2013. That was at that thing. Mm-hmm. And there was a woman that spoke, and she spoke about how people move moving from um, like small. They're basically substance farming. They can feed themselves and like are doing fine. They have. They're not rich. They may have like diseases and like things like that, like going on in their villages. But but once they move and like big companies come up and buy up their land from them and they're now just a farm worker on a giant monocrop farm that's when the bottom falls out that's when like the poverty really hits that's when the malnutrition hits and that's like when they're like the real like trouble problems start to happen i mean not to get off topic into geopolitics but you know the whole syrian revolution Mm -hmm. that happened because of a drought all the farmers went to town there was no like they couldn't farm so there's Mm. a bunch of like unemployed cats laying around nothing to do they're angry they're hungry that's how like and like hungry and broke. Yeah. If you don't have food prices like that are stable and like, I mean, we should be paying more for food in general in our country, which is not a like normal thing for most people. All our food is so subsidized that it's, we were able to make it cheap. Mm-hmm. Everywhere else, we're the lowest in like nation in, in the world that's like, mm-hmm. you know, middle of the level up that pays the less, the least amount for their food. Like that's a gallon incredible. of milk should be like $10. Like, yeah. 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 That's incredible. Yeah. I never even thought of that. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of, I mean, you, you say milk, and I'm just like, first of all, gross, but second of all, <laughs> sec, but second, like, maybe it wouldn't be gross if, if we weren't consuming it by the gallons, dude. Yeah. Like, yeah. like if, if, if something like, if milk was treated as like a, um, a uh, delicacy. Yeah. Right? Because in nature it is. Yeah. Right? Lions don't, lions don't get milk only whenever they kill like a pregnant cow or, you know, yeah. pregnant water buffalo or something like that yeah. and then they get some milk so that you only get that every now and then it's not like a, one of those things that should be just readily available yeah and if you go back to what the cow's eating the cow's missing nutrients too because it's just eating corn or like molasses covered 
right. like hay or whatever. So mm-hmm. it's missing what it needs too. So you're gonna miss what it, mm-hmm. it has. Too. Oh, but it's fortified though, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get put a little sprinkle of extra vitamin D yeah. in there. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll put some vitamin D in. It'll be okay. Yeah, because like okay. when I was in Australia, we had we had cow's weed milk, and that was the first time I had like fresh from the like pasture raised like milk, and I was like I felt strong after drinking oh. it. All of us would be like chugging milk with the cream on top, and yeah. it was like oh damn, this is like awesome. I mean, like, I had like four ounces, eight ounces a day, and you were like. Yeah. Feel strong. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's like crazy. This feels good. Yeah. yeah. You know, Andre talks to me quite a bit about um, uh, life force. Mm-hmm. He uses that phrase life force in foods. Yeah. And so, like, I guess for an easy explanation for those who might not know, life force, back to that whole monocropping of maybe the spinach or the lettuce or whatever, the nutrient density of those foods is like way less. Mm-hmm. And then you go to somebody like Andre, you go to his house where you can literally stick your arm shoulder deep into his soil because he's done such a good job of like just layering over the years. Um, The soil is just incredibly rich. The food, you can look at it and see how much healthier it is. It's really like super nutrient dense. Um, uh, um, I would argue that Andre's food is full of life, life, yeah. life force. Yeah. Like you want, you want to eat something that's going to give you some energy because that's what food is for. You're going to get that out of Andre's farm. You're not going to get that full life force, you know, out of the spinach, even the quote unquote organic spinach or, you know, whatever. I'm just using that example. Kale, it could be anything Yeah, yeah. Uh, from the grocery store. Yeah. Like in that, and you're, you're not going to get that. And then just the same, uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. Um, from an animal protein standpoint, do you want to be the slow lumbering feedlot cow or do you want to be the the elk, the caribou, the white-tailed deer, right? Like yeah. if you are what you eat and you're following this whole life force thing, like I want the power of that elk. Yeah. I don't want the lackluster, you know, cortisol-ridden, just, you know, the only reason some of these food lo- – <laughs> The only reason these feedlot cows aren't killing themselves is because they don't know how. Yeah, yeah. You know man. what I mean? Like yeah. that—that's—that's that's a travesty, dude. Like they're, that's horrible. They're like the equivalent, of like that. I don't know if you ever saw that movie Wally, like uh, the Pixar movie, where it's like in the future we're all in space, but we're all in like these like hover wheelchairs and like just with screens in our face and everyone's obese. Like that's like what I see those cows as. They're right. just like your, your brain's not even working right. Right. Um, so life force, life force, life force. Yeah, and I, that's the true of the organic thing. Like you know, you mentioned the you did the quotation marks around organic, and that's a issue that's kind of popped up that it's kind of lost its. You know, the USDA organic thing has lost its kind of brunt. There, there's other certifications that are coming out, like real organic and like this and that, mm-hmm. because things like uh, you can now get it, uh, hydroponic and aquaponic certified organic. And everyone says that, you know, that's sustainable and that's the way to be because it's less water. Well, it's like if I got 7% organic matter, like I'm using less water. Like I'm able to hold that rainwater. Like mm-hmm. I can't remember what the number is, but on my phone um but it's like for one percent of organic matter that you increase i think you hold like twenty thousand gallons of water in your soil mm. more like per yeah i've always had a, i've always had this like love hate thing with the idea of hydroponics and i've got yeah. a little bitty hydroponic kit at my house yeah. right now growing stuff but the fact is dude is you still have to provide some kind of nutrients through that water yeah. it's just yeah. to me that's not natural yeah and we were talking about it me and some of my coworkers were like it feels kind of dystopian that i have to like input like you're still gonna have to go mine phosphorus and like mm-hmm. you're putting nitrogen in and like all this and that and it's like mm-hmm. well how much styrofoam are you using like right. if, if anyone's ever been to a giant hydroponic aquaponic farm where there's like 
it's like a huge 300 foot like long greenhouse there's just like floating styrofoam everywhere and it's yeah, in the styrofoam crazy. like that's not how lettuce and like things are supposed to grow so i would agree with that sentiment that like organic has kind of lost its like thrust a little bit because it's i mean i would still if i was like a small farmer like mid small farmer and i'm trying to like hustle vegetables like restaurants wholesalers things like that i would probably still get the certification because you're gonna get more money for your product mm. so mm. like get paid for what you're doing you know right, like right. get that money but just uh, do better <laughs> yeah but like add some stuff because that's gonna make your bottom line yeah. easier like, well the other thing too that i think a lot of people don't understand is like something stamped organic and correct me if i'm wrong but maybe it's not a pesticide that i'm getting rid of the pest with but whatever it is that they're using and calling organic which it might be maybe it is some sort of like natural thing that's killing off the life in that quote-unquote organic pasture the point is is that you're killing something yeah. you're killing things off it has nothing to do with like oh but this is an organic fertilizer yeah it's yeah. like, no, dude, like, th that shouldn't be a thing. Yeah, so that's not really sustainable. Like, you're having to, like, there's big organic, like, vegetable farmers, and they'll, like, just, like, put their crops in, they'll still till, and then they'll, like, truck in, like, tons and tons of, like, compost from Kentucky. You know, it's oh, like, right. You're okay. still trucking it. Yeah. You know it's, like, I mean? it's like, okay, well, like. <laughs> like, what are you doing? How can I get rid of that? You know, yeah. like, that's not really, like, sustainable in the mm -hmm. long term. And, like, organic farmers have harder times with crop insurance. Uh, you know, and like diversified farms have harder times with crop insurance. So it's like, yeah, you know, organic, like it's like, like your lowest benchmark, I think you should be going for it. And, you know, it's challenging because, you know, low income folks maybe can't afford that or like things like that. I mean, it is more expensive, you know, mm -hmm. like, and I do, I think that's a broader problem. I, we won't dive into like class economics for like right. being able to but, afford but, certain food, but, but that but, attributes to it. Uh, for sure. And, but, but, but even still, dude, yeah, like quit and I'm not pointing fingers. I'm not like this isn't a demand. I'm, this is for all of us. Like quit depending on everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because seeds aren't that expensive. Nah. I can buy seeds right now and it's not really that expensive. And sure, it's going to take you a while. Fine. Cool. Get your system up and going. Dude, you can grow food for really, really cheap. The problem is, is that most of us, one, we don't want to work yeah. in that aspect. Like yeah. it's like, oh, I got a nine to five and, you know, I got to do that thing, yeah. you know. But the, here's the other thing. Once you have your system up and going, the system kind of takes care of itself. Yeah, like you'll have to like do some things. It's like your job as like a farmer is to like set your system up for success. Right. You know what I mean? And it, it depends. Are you trying to like hustle and sell tons of radishes? Like, okay, you may have to do a little more work. But, you know, as far as like, you know, if you think about like urban communities and things like they don't have the land. So it's like, right. okay, well, can we get them the land? Like those food right. desert cats, you know? Dude, like, even, but I'm thinking even smaller than that. Yeah. Like, like, let's get some, let's, let's. Look, I'm some, I'm a guy in the middle of some urban area and I don't yeah. have any money, dude. Like yeah. I'm, I'm struggling, dude. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm having to go get food stamps or WIC or, you know, whatever. Um, uh, what's to stop me from starting some little container, you know, I know this, you know, pulling this, we're creating a separation between the soil and, and your food, but, but what if you were created like some small raised beds or yeah. small container gardening type thing? Yeah. You know, that's what I'm saying. It's like, you can still create food. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know? and people like the city needs to plan and have those spaces available. So that's like a broader city design too. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, if you live in a high rise and like you're like in like a public housing, like you may not have that. That's true. That's true. So like there's fair. spots where it's like, you know, like I just got back from New York city, like over Christmas and I was like, where would you grow food here? Uh, uh, fair, fair, fair. But That's also fair. there's like other programs that we need to have because like pizza is considered a vegetable under like food stamps. Like, you know, like that's like considered a veggie. Like That's pizza. So crazy. 
like that doesn't count um but they were like starting to come up with cool programs like sustainable food centers farms do it um i think maybe the pearl farmers market i'm not quite sure um, i don't think they do actually but there's double dollars programs where if you are on food stamps you can get get like twice the amount of food for like you know you get two for one basically mm. with your dollars gotcha so everything's basically 50 percent off the yeah. farmer's market so that like Programs like that to support people, but then you run into things like, okay, how do they get there? Is our public transportation good enough? Like, I even remember learning in UT and my, like, kinesiology and health classes, like, people won't even have bus routes that can get them to the grocery store. It would take them, like, three hours to get to the grocery oh store. My God. So it's like, you know, there's these broader problems when we talk about, like, kind of, this is when people talk about, like, food justice and things like that. It's like, we're, like, low-income folks, like, and typically those are Hispanic people, African-American folks, like, mm -hmm. in our society generally. I mean, mm -hmm. different in rural areas. I mean, there's tons of poor white people that are opioid addicted. Not all of them, but, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. opioid addicted and, like, can't get anywhere. And, like, I mean, that's a huge issue. I mm -hmm. mean, like, there's crime has gone up in rural areas because they're growing corn. They're poor. They, like, have, they're depressed. They can't get access. Like, their grocery stores don't have any food. So, like, what happened with, um, like, rural white people is, like, almost a weird reflection of what's happening in inner cities and things like mm -hmm. it's a really like our society in general is like it's a sick and it's a reflection on us that we even set up our just like you're like supposed to set up your system to be able to like really crank and work on your farming same thing with our society like we've like put the pieces in the wrong place mm -hmm. where we're not able to like actually take care of ourselves and take care of each other either right. you know right. it's kind of like a kind of a reflection on us and i think that's pretty damning you know I'm glad you said that because I feel since I am Latino, mm -hmm. Hispanic, however you want to say it, my parents are from Mexico. Yeah. It's like I've always felt that connection of like, okay, I know that food, the better food, it costs more. And yeah. I'm like, but that maybe keeps us away from it, but it's the opposite. It'll yeah. make us healthier. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, it's like, um, it's preventative medicine, you know, like that's the, that's the key to it. I mean, yeah. like if a government wants to subsidize anything, they should subsidize like healthy food. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Like. Well, then you also have these like populations. I mean, I got I got people that I know personally. Well, I can't afford that. Well, I can't afford that. And I'm like, dude, I see you at the bar like every night of the yeah. week, bro. Yeah, dude. Like, I see you smoking three packs of cigarettes oh, a day, yeah. dude. Like, what? What do you mean you can't? Do you know what a pack of cigarettes is? Seven dollars, dude. That's twenty one dollars a day. Damn, dude, I'll get you a pound of like, like pasture-raised lamb meat for like 11 bucks you know what i'm like, saying like set for a while like, you know? and so i think that's another thing and, and this this gets into like just just life in general for people is like man you just and i know not everybody's like that but i'm but but there is a population of people out there that are like that and it, yeah. it comes down to priorities yeah totally and it takes like fortunately we talked about it, it may take you getting sick to like realize that it's like we're just addicted to stuff and mm -hmm. part of that sort of microbiology like asking or our brain asking for these things constantly mm, that monkey brain yeah it's like instead of switching off and being like oh if once you like get off that cycle and like i've seen myself dip back and maybe and like into some things so sure. you're, you're like I oh shit too. like oh like hey like a bunch of sweets over christmas like mm -hmm. my aunt's a gourmet caterer like made it rain like these delicious things on it since like i like that's like you can feel sick afterwards like yeah. you can tell the difference like yeah. once you can like see what you're feeling and tell the difference and it like makes a little more sense. But yeah, people have like people that can afford stuff, prioritize things wrong. Mm -hmm. It's like, I mean, people are like, Oh, I can't grow food on any space. I'm like, dude, you live in the burbs and like have a front yard. Like when was the last time you chilled in your front yard? Mm. Like no one's hanging out in their front yards. Mm -hmm. Like that's why like if, if you look back on like kind of housing design and like urban planning, all houses used to be like at the front of their street because that area is useless. No one's chilling in their front yard. There's mm -hmm. not a place for people like to com like commune and like talk and meet. 
it's like this thing where like we like have isolated ourselves and the front yard is part of that. So like, dude, you got room for a couple of like veggie boxes. Like you could do it. Mm-hmm, like for sure. there's plenty of free classes you can go to and like, yeah, you're going to screw up. It's like, it's not that hard, but people like aren't aware of it. And aren't, like people don't want to turn the crank, you right, know, people right. want to like, I want to sit on net, yeah. like watch Netflix. It's like, yep. Well, and that's another thing, too. That's a great point you brought up about the yard thing. When I hear yards, I'm just like, man, I got Swiss chard growing in my front yard. Yeah. I've got rosemary growing in my front yard. Yeah. Um, you know, like, why are you, you're, you're, you're uh, people and their excuses, too. It's, it's, um, you know, I can't for whatever reason. And it's yeah. like, dude, you fill up your lawnmower with gas every week. You mow your yard every week. Why don't you stop doing all that? Yeah. And just plant some plants, dude. Like you, the effort that it takes to to maintain a manicured yard, the typical American yard, the effort that it takes to do that, if you shifted that same effort, I'm not asking you to do anything else. You're not doing anything. You're doing a different task, but you're not doing any more, any less work. Yeah. Dude, shift your energy, shift your effort. And just grow something, grow something you can eat. Oh yeah, dude. Like it's like, after I was farming, I was like, oh man, like farming, like it's it's hard work. Like then I like started gardening. I was like, oh dude, this is so chill. Like this is like, (laughs) I can go like piss around for like an hour, uh, like two hours a week, maybe max. Yeah. Like maybe it's every other week. Like, and half the, most of your, like I think whenever I like look at people's farm, like kind of time management things, like I think half the time it's been like harvesting stuff or a third of the time. So it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, that third or half, you're just getting like awesome food. Like, yeah. Like, what's the deal, dude? Like, right. and you can taste the difference. Like, like I wasn't a big veggie eater, like, growing up, dude. And when I, like, went to Australia, and, like, I was eating some, you know, some spinach and things like that. And, like, then I was, like, clicked on and I started eating, you know, just about everything. There's certain things I don't like. But when I came back to the States and saw food in the grocery stores, I was, like, it looked weird. It looked foreign to me mm-hmm. after eating, like, really good quality food that we've been growing that had, like, really good soil. Like, you know, you stick your arm in hand and you'll pull up, like, a handful of earthworms. Like... Mm-hmm. Food looks and tastes weird. Like, I realized, like, oh, I just didn't like, like, pesticide, like, that type of food. Things taste more delicate. Mm-hmm. And things, like, have, like, a better flavor to them yeah, when they're, like, grown right. too, dude. Like, uh, we, we, you, for, for a lot of us, it's like we've accepted the bad as the norm, so it's good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so water comes to mind. How good, okay, like... You've heard people, oh, I don't like water. And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. You're 70% water. Shut <laughs> up. You know what I mean? Like, I like water. It doesn't even make sense to me, man. You don't <laughs> like water. You don't like water because you're, you've been so, like, enamored with sugars and sodas and, you know, like. Oh, yeah, but, dude, how incredibly taste, and I don't even want to call it tasty. I guess it's tasty because it's the absence of all the bullshit that comes out of the water. Yeah, like, yeah. compare your tap water to, like, that water that Andre gets from, up in Oregon, out of that little uh, I know exactly spring. what you're talking about on the way back from surfing. Yes. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, dude. It's like even like New York City I was talking about. Dude, New York City has amazing water. Mm-hmm. I couldn't believe it. You'd think it would suck because it's like a mega city mm-hmm. because they like have all that – like all the farms are in good shape and there's like – there's like uh, I think there's like a little plankton or something in it. They're like, dude, it's delicious. Wow. And then I like go to other places because I travel a lot for work and stuff like going around farms and like I'll go to some farm towns. I'm like, dude, this water is like bad. Yeah. Tastes terrible. And there's pesticides, there's chemicals. Like all that stuff gets on our water, yeah. man. Yeah. So you you don't want to drink that. Like Yeah. The the in the in the uh I think I think that's what it is. I don't, I don't think I don't think it's it tastes better because you're comparing it to shit. Yeah. Yeah, there's minerals and nutrients like, and it's clean. You, you know? can 
And the better water you taste, when you go back to tap water, you can taste the chlorine in it. Yeah, it's disgusting. Sure. Yeah, like whenever I move from the hill country into San Antonio, like I can smell the chlorine off gas when I turn on the shower. Like I have like a little filter I had to buy. It was yeah. just like, it's drying out my skin. Like it just feels weird. Yeah, Like yeah. it doesn't feel right. Dude, you need to at some point get up to Oregon because now I've got this mental. I can't wait. Dude, I've got this mental picture of that place where we stop. Like we, so from Andre's house to what's that beach called? It's Short Sands. Uh, it's over near Cannon, right? It's um, it's like there was Manzanita and Cannon, and then it's like down a little bit. I'm trying to remember. What I think it's called Short Sands, dude. For some reason, we may have gone to different places too. Oh, that's true. The one I went to was like a giant, like little bay. We went surfing in. Yeah, yeah. It's like a, it's like a cove. Almost. Oh, Osborne. Something Osborne or something okay. with an O, yeah. But dude, you're driving through this incredible terrain. Like, I mean, just imagine the Northwest. It's just incredible as it is. Uh, we pull over and there's natural spring water coming up out of this thing. Yeah. And everybody's like, okay, get out, fill your water bottles up. And we're filling up all these containers of water. And it's just, dude, it's so good. Yeah. And that's on the way to go surfing. I've been kind of waiting for you guys to go to Oregon, but um, <laughs> Sam the Fun Guy just showed up. He just knocked on Andre's door. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> And Andre is the most welcoming human being on the planet, dude. Yeah, yeah. Like, you text that dude, you give him about 30 minutes notice and he's ready. Oh, yeah, dude. Before, um, you know, what is it? like Drayden was born, like I was like unemployed. I was about, almost got this rafting job. And he's like, yeah, man, you can come stay like until like your baby's about to be born. I was like, dude, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't dude, know if I feel good with that, dude. Like, dude, he <laughs> is such a welcoming human being, dude. Like, it, it, and you feel, you feel so compelled. Like he never even asked, he never asked anything of anyone. You just feel compelled to be right up in the mix to help with everything. Oh yeah. The first day when I was up there, like I, you know, of course went and saw him when I spoke at that conference in Oregon and like stayed with him a couple days. The first thing we did was like chainsaw some trees the first day. I was yeah. like, all right, like I haven't cut down anything 40 feet tall in a while. Like let's yeah. let it rip. But he's like, all right, here we go. Like, yeah. it's like, that's what you'll do. Like you're just going to like do stuff with them. Like yeah. if you like show up, just be prepared to work and like over your bullshit <laughs> but it doesn't <laughs> like, even feel like work dude yeah i know it's fun it's yeah. so much fun man i know there's people out there that be like dude you're fucking crazy like i don't want to go on vacation and immediately grab a chainsaw but man there's something about it dude like it feels right yeah it, you know it. i dig it that's so good yeah i love that place tell us about this conference we're going to tomorrow oh Ooh, yeah yeah. That's right. yeah so i've never actually been to that one uh, but it's southern sog um it's in arkansas i think it's in fayetteville right guys Favorite or Little Rock? Little Rock. It's in Little Rock. You're right. You're, it's in Little Rock. Um, yeah, man. So you guys are going to go learn from like some awesome sustainable ag folks up there. And it's like it got a good social justice aspect to it and like things like that. So there's a lot of cats like trying to help low income folks. And I know it's like the Southern Agricultural Workers Guild or something like that. And there's so many acronyms in my job. I lose track of them. Um, so yeah, you're going to get up. You guys got an internship from my my workplace, yes. which I didn't talk about. But yeah, I work for the National Center for Appropriate Technology as a sustainable agriculture specialist. Basically, I'm like free sustainable ag um, technical advisement. We work on grants trying to make up like solutions for farmers, local food. Um, I'm trying to get some agroforestry demonstration sites and research going. Uh, we work in the valley with farmers trying to get soil health. Uh, we have a program which y'all can call us if you go to our website. It's A-T-T-R-A is the program. It's Appropriate Technology Transfer to Rural Areas. I told you these acronyms, man. Uh, <laughs> so we just say ATRA. Uh, yeah. So yeah, we also have like Arm to Farm, which I hope y'all can go to New Mexico. We're going to have one in Texas eventually, but it's yes. like free farm training for vets. Um, there's a one, one, like a level one and a level two. We're actually on a veteran scholarship tomorrow for tomorrow. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, which is conference. great. I love that we do yeah. that because I think it's an awesome, awesome outlet for vets. Yeah. Like it, it gives them like... 
it gives you all like a myriad of things to do. Like, yeah. and like keeps like, you know, Travis, I was talking to Travis and he said almost all of his employees like are vets because yeah. it keeps, it's Certainly interesting, you know? Yeah. And it's just interesting. You know, you get to be outside, you do something in your hands, mm-hmm. like you're not like stuck. Um, so yeah, y'all going to go get up to go and like learn from some like pretty cool cats. I haven't looked at the roster and seen who's going, but those conferences are a good way to like connect with people and meet people. Like I just got back from the Texas organic farmer and gardener association conference last week. I was speaking and like everyone on my work with was speaking, but it's like, it's like almost a little reunion and then you get to meet people and it's like, Oh, let's, let's get together and work on all these projects together. Yeah. So I think you guys are going to love it. It's like pretty wild. Yeah. I'm pumped about it. One of the things I wanted to bring up also was there's a program called world central kitchen and the person that runs that is Jose Andres. Yeah. That guy's awesome. He's a chef. And what I guess the way his program came to be is in times of need within these hurricanes, whether it be, I think his first, I don't know if his mission kickoff was an actual in Puerto Rico, but there was no way to get food in or out. So what he did as being a chef who understands good food, he actually went to the farmers. Yeah. And, um, they made food for everybody. They, they fed people when the government couldn't feed people. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Isn't that crazy? That's so amazing. I, I think he did it in Houston also. And, I guess for me, having you here and have me knowing Jason, it reinforces the idea of that we can also create that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We can create those systems here. We have one going in Marion. We're fixing to meet here in uh, New Braunfels, having New Braunfels Community Garden. And it, and then all these things that you talk about and then this conference tomorrow, it makes it solidifies the idea that I know that we can change the world. Oh, yeah. The people sitting in this room are the ones that, that are out there turning that crane like you say. Yeah, and you're going to meet guys there. Like, I met some this weekend that was like, this is their second career. Like, they're like 50, 40, and, like, and they're starting now. And they're like, oh, like this is what's important. Like, I want to be, like, you're basically land stewards. Mm-hmm. Like, you may be a farmer or a gardener or whatever, but you're a land steward when it comes down to it. Like, you're, like, fostering community health. So, yeah, I mean, like, there's people there that, like, are starting to, like, switch on, and it's getting, like, popularity. Yeah, and if you I love, I love yeah. that name, land steward. Yeah. Like you know, <clears throat> just real quick. <laughs> Cause I love that. I love that being a good steward. Yeah. Like that's such a strong statement. Uh, my boys, uh, Steve Hornsby, I went to high school with him. Uh, people around New Braunfels might know him as scuba Steve. He's worked with rock and our yeah. river people forever, man. Anyways, uh, a long time ago, dude, he gave me a parking pass so I could access their parking lots. And dude, when he handed me that sticker, he said, I only hand these out to people that I know are good stewards yep. of the earth yeah. and the, and the waterways. And dude, that was like one of the greatest compliments that I think I've ever received. Yeah. Yeah. You get that. It's your legacy. Dude, 100. Yeah. Dude, it was it, it just, yeah, that's, that's such a, sorry. I didn't mean to interject that, but I feel yeah. like, yeah. I mean, when we talked about like, you know, things being a reflection of like a, like the state of things being a reflection of our society land like the shape of land is like a reflection of our society and the priorities of our society you know what i mean mm-hmm. um i think that's really huge i mean and people may not see how degraded things are until they know it's degraded i remember i sent you that out of leopold quote that something like you don't understand like how sick like the landscape is until you understand it and then that's all you can see oh right like when yeah. i drive around i'm like Sometimes I get a little like depressed. I'm like, oh man. But then I like go to things that energize me and I'm like, keep focusing. You know, you're just dude, like, that's a good point. I was going to say something about that earlier. How sickening it is when you, other dude, I driving back from Concan yesterday, yeah. like you see a lot of it. Um, People are growing rocks and not grass. Dude, well, even so these soil. huge farms, bro. And yeah. you know, 
when you drive by, if you were to stop on the side of the road and pick up a handful of that soil, yeah. it is complete shit. It's dead. It's, it's dead. It's dirt. It's not soil. It's dirt. It's yeah. not soil. It's dirt, yeah. dude. It's so, and it's it's like, damn, dude, our food comes from that, dude. Yeah, it's sterile. Like, it's so it's bad. Wild. Yeah. You know, so uh yeah, that's incredible. Um, one thing that I don't want to forget to do, uh, as a friend, as a colleague, whatever, yeah. like I can't tell you how much I appreciate and I know Juan's the same. Yeah, dude, I do, man. Like yeah. you're just your being, not just in our lives, but on this planet, bro. Like you've been an incredible resource for me personally. Um you know, I love the fact that like I get this like philosophical side of things from Andre and then I've get I get a lot of the science stuff from you and how that stuff interrelates is dude, it's like the perfect storm, man. So like what you've done for us, dude, in such a little amount of time. Well, I say little, I've known you for a while now. Yeah. Uh like it's been incredible, dude. And I appreciate that. Hey, thanks, guys. That means a lot to me. Yeah. I, I think for me, I think what I guess me and Jason, the way we think, it's totally out of this world it's it's huge and for me to know that there's people like you that can back up like yeah what you're doing is is right the way you think i can guide you to uh regenerate your soil this is going to happen this is going to happen if you keep doing this then it goes from being a dream to being real and you give me the confidence of like yeah we have a resources we have a team here that knows what the fuck they're doing Mm. yeah Mm. yeah preach appreciate that guys yeah i mean i see my role i mean now that i like it's nice to be able to get like a salary from it and like work for a, a nonprofit that has been around for so long to do that but like i feel like our role is honest broker and like humble servant you know what i mean yeah. like i'm just my goal is just help people yeah i'll do what i can like you know sounds like, like a recurring theme yeah yep. like you know like i'm just trying to like help you guys out like i you know i have tons of farmers like after tofka like after speaking and talking to people i got like 13 farm visits i need to go on and like keep up with it and sometimes, like, when I wake up, like, and I have to go into the office and just, like, write a publication, I, like, lose sight of that. Mm-hmm. So, like, whenever I get to talk to you all, that's, like, the exciting part for me. That's, like, the, like, okay, like, how can I, like, help these guys, like, help other people? You know, yeah, like, I feel yeah, like yeah. A, I'm just a facilitator. Like, you know. So, yeah, I really appreciate that, guys. That yeah, means dude, that's a, And I mean that, dude, from the bottom of my heart, too. That's, it's, it's, that's legit, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm so fucking pumped on the direction that we're moving in. Yeah. Like, this, this is incredible, dude. Ooh, and I got more things to share for you all that I learned, I've learned recently, like, from that Nicole Masters thing that I'm one of, excited to try with you all, too. Nice. Like, like, and that's, for me, it's like, I've been in a, it's been a weird spot where I've been at a desk for a year, and, like, now I'm like, this isn't right. Like, I'm excited <laughs> to get out and, like, work on a Saturday with you all and, like, go, like, kick some ass, like, get some stuff done or, like, yes. start an agroforestry project. I'm trying to start in Bernie and, like, do all this stuff. So it's like, it's yeah. like, I finally like, got my legs down and now, like, I can work on what I want to work on with yeah. people and it's like everyone at the office is stoked about it so yeah, it's like awesome. yeah i'm excited to be out in the field and like dude, continue and, to try things with y'all dude and speaking of man and i'm probably speaking for one but i already know he doesn't give a shit <laughs> like if you ever need any kind of labor hands yeah psh, we're here bro. oh yeah i knew i was gonna ask y'all for sure yeah. when it's like time to plant trees and get things going let's and go. like smooth out the swales and like all that like there's got some exciting stuff let's going, go for sure. yeah and we'll put that message out here and yeah. we'll put it out and people will hear and he knows enough people um, we have enough resources that we'll get that we'll get that ball rolling for you. Yeah, and you're gonna learn like when you guys come out, like we're just gonna talk about why we're doing it. Like, why am I doing this? Like, mm-hmm. that's a, the huge thing that like I learned. I was like, okay, but like, why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. And like, what are the implications of like everything attached to that? Mm-hmm. So we're gonna talk about that stuff, you know. And like, we'll, the idea is to have courses around that stuff. Like, 
I have, I had one like classic, they're like a classic Austin farm. They expressed interest in putting an agroforestry site on their farm. I have like a pecan orchard that's a hundred acres that wants to like maybe look at like starting moving cattle and planting forages through. Damn. So I'm trying to like get a grant so like so I can pay the farmers like make their labor free, help mm-hmm. improve their systems for free because there's tons of resources out there. It's a little competitive in things, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my goal is to like, and I got resources for y'all. Maybe y'all maybe need to look at starting a nonprofit or, but there's also veteran specific stuff. You know, we talked about some of the, the yeah, federal help. Yeah. 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 There's veteran, a veteran pot that you'll probably get. Like, I want to help other veterans. You know, yeah. That's, that's one of the big things for me. It's always recurring that mental health for veterans. Yeah. So, like, you guys should look at maybe doing like a, like a nonprofit structure because there's a grant. It's a Texas Urban and Rural Conservation Grant. You can get up to five grand for rainwater tanks. You can get up to four grand for like a community mm-hmm. garden. You can get up to three grand, I think, for like a pollinator habitat. And here's the amazing thing that I learned: information that I gather, it's not for me to sit on. Yeah, it's for mm-hmm. me to keep passing forward. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, exactly. It's not something like, oh, I'm gonna hold on to that information. I'm not. I'm gonna. I'm gonna hold it so that this person doesn't get it. And this community and this lifestyle, it's totally not about that. Oh yeah, it's, we're gonna push that information out. Those resources out. And y'all are going to see that on, like, a huge scale at that conference y'all are going to. I mean, that's what happened, like, when I was at that Texas Organic Conference. There was, like, a round table talking about issues. The Organic Farming Research Federation had, like, a – we were all just in a circle. And people were like, Colin, does, uh, does that exist? And I was like – it was, like, something about, like, uh, to see the successional stages of your grasses so you know how, like, your pasture improvement's going. I was like, oh, yeah, go get this book by Steve Nelly. He's, like, this awesome rangeland scientist. That guy is, like, a encyclopedia of, like, finding grasses, which – for me, is the hardest thing to identify. Being like, <laughs> this is that, and like just sitting in a field and there's like ninety things in front of you and like wow. knowing all of them. Um, so like that's like what those things are for is like oh like just peer to peer like learning and that's what I think the best. Like yeah. you know I don't like wearing the hat of the expert. Like I'm like like I said I'm a journalist. Like there's people that are like really good at this and that. Mm-hmm. I think when you like call yourself an expert, that's when you kind of like lose it. And yeah. like I'm like. I don't know all the things like mm-hmm. I got grilled with some not grilled but like I got asked some questions during my like lecture session and I was like dude I don't know that answer like that's like yeah. we're all here to teach and we're all here to learn. yeah yeah, yeah like, for sure like Ido Portal says yeah always the student yeah for sure and yeah. that's like with our extension agents and stuff you'll see some issues like they may come and be like you need to do this apply it your fertilizer at this rate and do this and this and it's like that's not really how it jives. That um, that Rowan Reed guy I refer- referred to in Australia, um, he like started his community, uh, like this community down there. Where like now they have three hundred farmers and ranchers involved, where they basically went around and got people on board. And so instead of like having just Rowan go out and advise them, sometimes he'll go. Like, but other times other people won't. Like he won't. But they have three farmers go with them. Like go out and like look at their land and like provide like a counseling or see if they'll get in and it's like they just kind of argue in front of them and like give them a ton of options because it's your landscape to paint mm-hmm. so that like that expert like structured thing is like not that great and I, I think feel like it may frustrate some people sometimes that want just like this concrete like how do I move forward and like I've done it with y'all where I'm like well this is option A how much money do you have this is option B yeah yeah okay yeah. what's your time like okay then here's C like mm-hmm. then maybe you can do a combination of those two so I think that's something that's like you know, I try to do and like embody and like I've had other mentors like really push that on me because instead of coming from this cowboy like perspective, like going out there and just like throw your money at it, like you're not doing good to anyone if you like are out of business. Right. Like then you like it, and do that slowly, you know, yeah. like, level up like you can't improve. You can't be a land steward if you lose your land. You know what right, I mean? So, right, like, right. That's kind of my opinion on a lot of yeah. that too. 
And it all leads back to freedom, man. Yeah. It all leads back to like you not being tied up to anything, dude. And yeah. it's funny, like permaculture, I know when you, you know, I asked you to describe that, like it is, it, it is, it's more than the land. It's everything. Yeah. It's us. It's, it's, it's how, you know, how you prioritize your finances, how you prioritize your life. Like what, yeah. you know, what, what are you really doing here? The literally last chapter of that book is on like social dynamics and like money and like, oh, put your money in a credit union and not a, like a big bank. Mm-hmm. Like, there's like a weird advice like that in there. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what the hell? Like, what but does it, have to but do it makes sense. Yeah. It yeah. makes sense. And when you said that a while ago, like you can't be a farmer if you lose your land. Yeah. Like finances plays a role here, dude. Yeah. Like you got to scale accordingly. You can't just dump everything, man. Yeah. You know, like there's a guy, his name's uh, Sean Fagan. I got to go to his lecture. I want to do like a, we do like case studies sometimes on beginning farmers and he's got like an acre and he's making like a bunch of money off of just one acre, like turning it out. And he's like, you know, I know we all want to like, and he's like, was a backpacking guide and still does that. That's what he does in his month off in August. He just like takes people backpacking, rad mm-hmm. dude. And he was like, you know, like, I know you guys want to do this stuff, but like, if you lose your farm, like you can't do it. Like get the bills paid first and start making money again. And then like go do this stuff unless you've got some other resources or something like that. But he's like, I don't have those resources. Like you can't buy like a car, you know, like things like that, you know, you don't have to buy a fancy car, but you have to be able to pay your car payment or something Mm -hmm. to get your vegetables to the place. So it's like that thing where it's ideal that we would all start off like, and it's ground zero and like improving your soil. But like, you know, some of us like, like a lot of people don't quit your day job. If you're getting started in farming, like, you have to work two jobs now, right? Like, and like, but it's worth it. Like, yeah. you're gonna get your workout. You're gonna get your movement. Mm-hmm. You're gonna be improving the land. You're eventually gonna get food out of it. Mm-hmm. So and, much freedom in I that. Mean, that's what you're doing, Juan. Is yeah. like you're working two jobs. Well, like, no. well and, yeah. that, and and I think that's the thing. It's you know, this is Gary Vaynerchuk 101, right? You got your 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 main hustle. It's over here. For those who can't, <laughs> for those that are listening, I've got my left hand in the air. It's like a bar graph. <laughs> My right hand's a little bit lower than the left hand, and it's like that's my side hustle, and you just basically trade places. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like you're not again. You got to do it responsibly, and like I think that's what well, kind of where a lot of us are moving to is yeah is uh, this idea of you know yeah tra- trading one hustle for another. Yeah, and you're not going to get rich off of farming. Like you're not going to get rich selling radishes and stuff. But right. it's, like your life will be more rich. Like sure. you're going right. to have time to do what you want to do. Like mm-hmm. you know, if you're like you got yourself set up as that kind of good farmer that's like knows how to turn it off and like mm-hmm. has your systems in place and mm-hmm. kind of gets your shit figured out. I love that. That's yeah. that's what real rich is about. Yeah, M- money money has nothing to do with you being rich, right? Yeah, that's right, man. Like <laughs> you, you know, gotta figure that, like, that out the hard way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like pay your bills, but like you're not going to be like you're not going to get a yacht. Like, yeah, not, none yeah. of us are. Like you're not going to get a yacht doing anything. Right. Like get a kayak. You'll be happy. Yeah, I'll be happy. Yeah, get a kayak. You'll be I, all right. Yeah. <laughs> well, shit, dude. We have, we can weasel our way onto a yacht. <laughs> yeah. I don't have to own it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I'd rather have a kayak, anyways. Exactly. Like, what am I gonna do with a yacht? Like, yeah. well, like, I'm like For champagne real. that much. So, um, so thank you to Margot. Um, yeah. Thank you to Arm to Farm. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you, Colin. Is there anybody that you want to shout out to, or anybody that's inspired you? Your mentors, where you work, anybody that can help you? How can how can this voice here help you now? Oh, oh man. Um, yeah, I got a ton of mentors, whether they were in agriculture or not. Um, Andre is one of them. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, it, and we kind of like came up and then like bounced off each other with some things. So it's mm-hmm. like even just like having people to talk to is like great. Um, man, I just have like a lot of mentors. I mean, Julian Anderson, who was like the economic planner for that agri hood I was working on, like taught me how to like work books and make a budget and plan and things like that. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I mean, my boss, Jeff, was like a huge influence, you know, um, and then the manager, even more so, the guy who was there actually turning the crank more because Jeff would take off and leave. Um, James Turner was like, you know, super huge on me, and he like really took me under his wing and like, he was like, hey, you need to learn to move the cows. Like, you're the cow guy now. Like, that's kind of the, you can learn to like garden and like do all the real crops and like trim the trees and the like the food forest, but like you need to learn to move the cows and like read the land. So he like, I moved the cows every day for like, a couple months, you know, mm-hmm. and like still taught. And then I taught other people how to move the cows to the point where I like, could like teach a mini workshop on it, like a segment of it. Yeah. So that guy was like real crucial. We're big on that. Always replace yourself. Yeah. 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 And that's what he did with me. He was like, you need to know how to do this. Um, yeah, man. And just my family was being super supportive and like being on board, honestly, dude. Yeah. Like they get it. Like, you know, like they understand the food stuff. They understand like me going out and they help support me. Like when I was like on the way back from Australia and like we're almost out of money. Like, yeah. Those parts, times where I was unemployed and, like, down on the dumps when I was, like, because this is, like, you know, it sounds kind of, like, I feel kind of spoiled when I say this, but it's, like, once you, like, do those things, I just want to do stuff that I really care about. And what mm-hmm. I care about is, like, making, like, people have healthier food, clean water, like, making sure our ecosystems function, like, having a healthier, like, communities and mm-hmm. planets and societies. So they were real supportive when I was, like, because, you know, I'm, like, a lucky, lucky dude where I get, like, paid to help other people farm and, like, yeah like do agriculture like in sustainable agriculture like learn and things like that so to be able to get there it's like i didn't do that on my own you know like i got helped along the way like right right like sometimes it feels like weird that that's like what i get paid to do like you know like it's like a crazy thing you know to me that that's my job you know definitely don't feel bad about it oh i don't yeah i don't (laughs) feel bad about it no i love waking up you know and my girlfriend when she tells people like what i do like she's like super proud of me and things you know stuff like that so it's like yeah i don't feel bad about it but it's like yeah, it's like really humbling that that's like my job. Like that's yeah. insane that that you can have that job. That's like awesome. it's great. Well, speaking of, shall we go check out this community garden? Oh yeah, man. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited to see the space let's, and let's like talk that. to you about the things I learned with wood chips and making vermicompost and yeah. like basically we're all going to get worm farms. Um, is how, what we're going to do. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, that's yeah. I'm down. directive number Super one. Super pumped about this. <laughs> well, dude, let's get out of here and let's go check this place yeah. out and then. Um, yeah. yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for coming in, bro. Thanks, Anytime. Dude. Yeah. I need to get up here more. I'll have a car that works better now. So I'll be ready to get more. So. <laughs> cool, man. All right. <laughs>